It, it, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Worldwide Sports Radio presents The Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is so good to have you here on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify, we're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call, 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up. Join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on this beautiful Wednesday. Um, You know, I'm surprised at you a little bit. Why? What I do now? Because whenever whenever we're here on Wednesday, you never do, Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Hump day. <laughs> maybe you it's because it. no, maybe it's because it's because it's Wednesday, and by Wednesday I'm done. Yeah, you're but usually checked out by, by Wednesday. Wednesday. I'm just I'm yeah. Done. You I'm usually done. on Monday you're pretty energetic. On Tuesday you're really energetic. Monday um, I'm done. Thursday Tuesday, I'm, you're you know on a Tuesday. Thursday yeah. I'm done. Wednesday Thursday, I'm you're done. done. Friday no, you're no, no, no. Wednesday I'm done. Thursday I feel I'm feeling a little better. Friday I'm like hyped. This weekend, well, Friday you're hyped for the weekend, but That's Friday, all- Friday you're you're. It's almost like you're not even here, just because you. I don't know. You, do, I feel like you do your least amount of talking and insight on Friday. That's I mean, like, I, yeah, because I'm waiting for. It's like, yeah, but because it's, it's like it's like that school day. We wait. We look at the clock. <laughs> you look at go for the weekend. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, look, it's like you look at the clock. We don't even we, have a clock in here. It's just well, it is nothing but well, white the, wall. Well, the phone, the phone counts. <laughs> we have. Two backdrops and we've got white wall. That's literally all and, we've got. And two and two, three boards, a lot of pictures, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of uh, memorabilia and stuff. Yeah, we've got so, the the soundproofing stuff right there too. But yeah, okay. Um, oh, we also have uh, we also have uh, people next door making no- making noise of their printer and stuff. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> Is that a printer? No, I think they're like fire and airsoft guns. Oh yeah, you're right. You're uh, right, they, right. I, they they test airsoft guns. You're right. I forgot next about door. that. So we hear. <laughs> we're like, what the hell is that? I remember the first time I heard that, and I was jumping out of my skin because I was so scared. I thought the building was getting shot up. Uh. I really did. Like the first time I heard, it, I was like, oh my god, do I gotta get out? Do I have to jump through the window to get out of here? And no, it's just they test airsoft guns in there. It's the right. coolest thing ever. I forgot about that. But uh, anyway. I'm plenty to cover today uh, here on a Wednesday. Uh, I've got a surprise segment coming up at the later part of hour number three. At about 1.30, I'm going to get into that. Um, I think that there's a misconception when we talk about um, when we talk about what's going on with the Lakers coaching search. Um, it seems as if Monty Williams is now the favorite in that conversation instead of Ty Lue. And I'm going to tell you why I have a tiny little bit of a problem with that. And I've kind of gone back and forth on this, but I'm going to get into that at the top of hour number two. Um, but I want to start with this, okay? And there were plenty of good uh, NBA playoff games yesterday, a bunch of series that uh, that got evened up. The Portland Trailblazers, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I started the season off without even having the Portland Trailblazers in the playoffs. Now I got them going to the conference finals. I think they're going to be that good. Um, so, but I want to start with this. Uh, this was obviously the lead story of yesterday and 
most people did talk about it yesterday. Uh, because I wasn't here yesterday, I'm going to talk about it now. Russell Wilson signed his new contract with the Seattle Seahawks, four years, $140 million. He now makes an average annual value of $35 million a year. He's the highest paid player in NFL history. It was a few hours after midnight, um, the deal got done. <clears throat> correct. And then he posted that really, really. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe that video. Do we with have to? Sierra. I'm gonna. Well, I no. I'm. I don't want you to play it. I'm yeah, gonna I'm not de- playing that. I'm gonna describe the video as kind of awkward. No kidding. It was a very like it, the video made me even a little bit uncomfortable. That was like. That was my low point of how I feel about Russell Wilson was that video. And I look, it wasn't anything bad. It was just, it, it, just it, to me, weird. it wasn't Russell Wilson. It was just, it was him trying to be like, yo, Seattle, I'm coming we got a deal. deal. That's, I don't know. Got it's not Russell deal. Wilson to me. All right. Gotcha. But I'm okay. going to tell you this. I can't believe how dead on I was about this whole situation. Okay. Russell Wilson putting a deadline on the Seattle Seahawks was a negotiating tactic and nothing more, period. If Wilson wanted out of Seattle, he wouldn't have signed a contract. If he wanted out of Seattle and he wanted to go to New York or anywhere else in the NFL, like I told you, no amount of money would make him stay. No amount of money would make him stay. I got news for you, okay? The Seahawks gave him the moon, and rightfully so. He is this franchise. Let me let me say this: if you think that they overpaid for him, right? Let's because let, I've heard a lot of that. Uh, a lot of that that Russell Wilson got overpaid. Okay, let me just let me say this: if you think he's overpaid, okay, you have to account for plenty of things when you hand out a contract like this. You have to account for multiple things. Okay, let me just tell you what Russell Wilson is, okay? Russell Wilson made the Seahawks a franchise that people care about. He globalized your brand, right? Nobody gave a rat about the Seattle Seahawks until Russell Wilson came around. I still right? slightly disagree with that. I still say, I still disagree with that, but okay. I, 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 really I don't... Do. Re- that's the thing, is I don't really think so. This it's, is a Seahawks team that had playoff success before he got there, went to a Super Bowl, had, again, Matt Hasselbeck was a solid quarterback for them, had a star like Sean Alexander. I, I got to disagree. I'm not going to say I, look, they were irrelevant before but, he got there. No, I'm not going to say that they were totally irrelevant, but they were the distant team in Seattle that was, you know, the, the, let me just say this. Seattle does definitely did not get as much traffic then as they do now. Everybody loves the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks we became the Golden State Warriors of the uh, of the NFL in a certain aspect of they had the most bandwagoner fans probably in the entire league, right? They changed their jerseys. They gave themselves those big neon green accents that drove everybody crazy. Russell Wilson came in, had immediate, uh, immediate success as a rookie, and off they went. I do like the old Seahawks jerseys, not going to lie. I, I see you're you're weird in that I, aspect. I really I like the old I the think old they're ugly they as sin. No, Evan. the the old one that the old But you and I disagree had. on jerseys a lot. Oh, I disagree yeah. with a lot of people on jerseys. But anyway, Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl for you in his second season. His second year. Let me just tell you. Winning a Super Bowl in a quarterback's second season in the NFL 
is not supposed to happen. It's hard. I mean, it's hard regardless. It's not supposed to happen. Right? Never. Almost never does it happen. So Russell Wilson won you a Super Bowl in his sophomore season. And was a play away from getting another one right. the following year. Just to, just, to, just to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, let him go to the end zone, and the Seahawks are reigning defending champions again for the second year in a row. Right. And who knows, maybe they, maybe they go longer. Mm-hmm. Than then the run that they then the run that they did. It, right, know. right. Thirdly, Russell Wilson is as professional and uncontroversial of a quarterback as they come. On top of that, while he's also married to another celebrity, keep that in mind. Okay, Russell Wilson is a megastar in football. To a lot, to the non-sports world, he is Sierra's husband. Right? Sierra's a big global pop star. He's married to another celebrity. They've got a bunch of attention seeking on them. They do. And somehow he remains an uncontroversial professional guy. It's doable. And he does it. Okay. To their fourth extent, Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in the league and is amazing in big moments. Amazing. And lastly, Russell Wilson has rare leadership qualities that carry on forever. He just does. Okay? You can follow a guy. If you play for the Seattle Seahawks, you can follow a guy like Russell Wilson. Okay? You can respect somebody like Russell Wilson. He is not a guy that demeans you. He's not Big Ben. He's very calm okay? and cool. Nothing nothing phases him. Right. That's what I like about that's what I also love about Russell. He's he's very cool and calm and nothing he's just, you know, he's like, Okay, hey guys, let's go. You know. Right. So and you look at some of the other franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Aaron Rodgers, $33.5 million. He was the highest paid, uh, highest paid NFL player in history not too long ago. As probably as skilled as any quarterback in the league. But there's always drama in Green Bay. There's always drama in Green Bay. And the primary thought to that is yep it's mostly Aaron Rodgers because his leadership style I'll say is one where he kind of takes shots at people he throws people under the bus throws people under the bus he doesn't take accountability right that's Aaron Rodgers guys like Big Ben Right, Big Ben has created this whole dysfunctional thing within Pittsburgh. He's become the almost the detriment to the stability of their organization because the guy just doesn't seem to get along with anybody anymore. And Big Ben, uh, look, he's won Super Bowls, but that's what Big Ben does. Russell Wilson is a guy, and there's a difference between being leader, uh, being a leader, and not being like Big Ben. Or Aaron Rodgers. It's so simple. 
Russell Wilson is a calm, cool, and collected guy. He's not a he's not a fiery personality. He is not a he is a star without the star problems. Okay? And later on in his career, is Russell Wilson going to have some sort of controversy? Maybe he will. Maybe. I hope not. And and I'll even admit this. The Seattle Seahawks did used to have a little bit of dysfunction when they were winning. They did. And, uh, you know, that kind of short period between now and when they stopped winning, you got to keep in mind, though, all of that stuff going on was kind of outside of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was the kind of, he was the one staple in what was remaining of the stability of that organization. Well, that team that they have from 2012, 2013 to 2015, 2016 ish, you know, that I mean, whole, they, they that got whole it. run. Every loudmouth in the league played for the Seahawks Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. They all played, they were all there in Seattle. Doug Baldwin, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, they had a team full of personalities. And Russell Wilson was their quarterback. And not only did he win with them, but then when they stopped winning, Russell Wilson was never the problem. Everybody else was. And look what's happening. This is a Seahawks roster that is not talented. It isn't. You look at this team from top to bottom, it is scarce for talent. They don't have any good corners. They've got two mediocre safeties. They've got two good linebackers, one good pass rusher, and that's essentially it. Well, they do a have a terrible offensive line, no tight ends. They've got a committee full of running backs and one good wide receiver. That's literally what they have. They do need to figure out what's going on with Frank Clark. Frank Clark, now obviously they did lose Arl Thomas in the offseason. Uh, right. But thanks, by the way. But they're gonna they're gonna need to figure out the Frank Clark situation and everything because this whole thing was this they you, you really would hurt them if they were to trade their best their best young pass rusher. Mm-hmm. You can't trade it. No, but that's what you're dealing with. This is the reality of where this franchise is at. The Seahawks don't have talent, but you don't really notice. They still win a fair amount of games. Because Russell Wilson's their quarterback. I'm sorry if you think that he's overpaid. But Russell Wilson is worth every penny of this contract. Every single dime. He's worth it. Tell me honestly. If Russell Wilson was the quarterback of your team, do you really think that you'd let him walk to start a rebuild how many quarterbacks currently in the NFL are better than Russell Wilson if they were three gonna, if they were gonna four maybe if they were gonna start a rebuild they would have done it they definitely would have done it a year or so if they were gonna trade Russell Wilson they would have done it a year ago they never would have done it now they would have done it a year or so ago right and then say like right after like right after 2015 2016 or even you know you know right after 2015 2016. You know, or even after 2017, where they missed the postseason for the first time in Russell Wilson's tenure, with the guys leaving and everything like that, Sherman gone, Earl Thomas, you know, was on the way out. You know, this guy, you know, Michael Bennett being traded, so and so. You know, Marshawn Lynch obviously retiring the year before. Mm-hmm. If they were to 
just just say, you know what? We had a nice run. That's it. We're gonna we know Russell Russell's gonna be, you know, Russell's contract's coming up. I think they would have traded him by then. You know, I don't think they would have traded him now. Oh, and by the way, let me just throw this out there as well. Russell will a couple of more things about Russell Wilson, why he's worth the money. He's never gotten hurt. And he's won less than ten games once in his career. 2017, he went nine and seven. He's never even gone under five hundred. And look, I understand he had good teams. He did. But he doesn't have one now. And he's still winning with them. Seattle needed Russell Wilson. Without Russell Wilson, what do they have? They've got Doug Baldwin and Rashad Penny. I mean, they don't have anything else. Russell Wilson is their franchise. We all talk about how, oh, San Francisco's got to pay Jimmy Garoppolo. The guy won five straight games with them. They were 1-10 and and he won five straight games. Yeah, he got paid $27.5 million a year and he started seven games in his career. Well, the, now And gonna... that contract was worth it for people. You know how... People have said, oh, but the San Francisco 49ers had to pay Jimmy G or else the fan base would have been out to get him. Absolutely, I agree with you. They ha- the, the 49ers did not have a choice but to pay Jimmy G. They had to. John, There would have been riots out for John Lynch's head if they did not pay Jimmy G. And I'll tell you right now, do you really think that it would have been any different in Seattle? What happens if the Seahawks let Russell Wilson go? Oh, but we were going to trade to try to go get Kyler Murray. Takes that re- that really would have <laughs> led your fan you base. You also to have, if you're going to do that move, you have to. You the Seahawks organization have to convince themselves. All right, will Kyler Murray is is will Kyler Murray not not saying will he be Russell Wilson, but. Can Kyler Murray provide the stability that Russell Wilson did for us? And quite frankly, I'm not 100% sold on Kyler Murray at all. So I know. I, I and there, I, there are I, plenty I of people sure that aren't. That. But I'll tell you what. And, I, and this is really the, the main point of this. There are, in my opinion, two quarterbacks in the league that I think are definitively better than Russell Wilson, and that's it. Two. Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Drew, and Drew Brees. Oh, Drew Brees. Those are the only two quarterbacks in the league right now that I think you can say can be definitively better than Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are up in the air. Andrew Luck and, and Russell Wilson are up in the air. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is up there yet. Okay. Has, now has, I want to see Patrick Mahomes do it for at least one more year, and then I'll and then I'll consider him as part of the top five, top six quarterbacks in the league. Now speaking but, of Pat Mahomes, the contract now that Russell Wilson got paid, there are the quarterbacks. We talked about this on Chalk Talk yesterday. Uh, that there are the quarterbacks that now are coming up and going to get paid: Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, yeah, but that, Dak look, Prescott. Now the Cowboys are talking contract. Pat Mahomes might get paid. He's going to get paid soon. It's it, it it's the same conversation that we have every time that somebody gets um that somebody gets paid. Sure. The same conversation that we have every time somebody gets paid. Okay. Um when we talk about um 
when we talk about the trend of quarterback contracts, right? It's usually, all right, whoever's next is going to be the next highest paid guy. I think that this will put a little bit of per, uh, a little bit of perspective in it. I don't know if Carson Wentz will be higher paid than Russell Wilson. I don't think so. I don't know if Jared Goff will. Dak Prescott definitely will not be. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, if he keeps his pace for the next couple of years, then yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Let's go to break. Coming up next. Um, I want to dive into what happened in the playoffs uh, last night. I have a feeling that Portland is the team that we are kind of ignoring and that we shouldn't. I'll tell you why. That's coming up next. Uh, Later part, hour number one here on the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hey, good to have you back. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on a Monday. Um, Wednesday. Did I say Monday? You just said Monday. Yeah, I said Monday. I'm sorry. It's Wednesday. <laughs> oh, geez. That's what happens when you're not here every day. Um, but plenty of stuff to talk about here on this Wednesday. Uh, somebody told me it was Wednesday. I think you did. I think I did. <laughs> so, I think it sounds like me. Uh, so there were three games last night. Uh, Oklahoma City and Portland. Portland beat them by 20. Um, and I'm going to dive, uh, dive into that in a, in a second. Uh, Denver, thank goodness. Uh, that I, I'll tell you what, that was a much-needed win for Denver. They had to get that one. They had to get that one. Jamal Murray was flat-out incredible at the end of that basketball game. Um, and then Toronto stole one at home. I wouldn't say stole one, but they they got a much needed win at home against Orlando, and it was a dominant win uh, over the Orlando Magic, one eleven eighty two. So here's where I'm gonna go with this first. Um, okay, so the way that I see, um, the way that I see this kind of playing out, right? Um. What I've learned so far from the playoffs is that you need you need actual good offensive possessions, right? Uh, inefficiency kills you. Okay, what have we seen in the postseason so far? Okay, and I know that we're only two games deep in, into into the series in in most series right now, right? Um, we're only a couple of games deep. But what are we looking at? Okay, Philadelphia doesn't shoot well from the field. They lose to Brooklyn. Uh, Toronto does not shoot well at all against the Orlando Magic, and they lose one at home. Okay, the Oklahoma City Thunder for two games in a row can't shoot, can't shoot a lick. They lose both games in Portland. The Denver Nuggets couldn't shoot anything in game one against the Spurs at uh, at home, and they lose. Efficiency counts. You know, this is why I call it, it it's such an important aspect of the NBA game today. It is. Okay? It is such an important aspect. You need to have efficiency. You need 
to have guys that will knock down shots. Okay, your team cannot shoot 5 of 33 from the three-point line. You just can't have that. Okay, just let's look at what's happening so far as far as field goal percentage, okay, for teams that are in the playoffs right now. Indiana took a crushing loss to Boston, 33% from the field, 33. Oklahoma City is shooting 40% from the field. Look, you need guys that are going to be able to hit that, hit these shots for you. Okay, now let me get into this because I was never high on them. At the beginning of the season, I was a guy that did not believe in them whatsoever. I was always the guy that doubted them to every extent. Didn't think they had the pieces. Didn't think they had the strength. Because I saw the names on their roster, I'm just like, how are they going to get by with all of these nobodies? Seriously, how are they going to get by with their leading sco- uh, their leading bench guy being Evan Turner? Or Jake Lehman. Right? Seth Curry. How how are we gonna get how are they gonna get by with those guys? And then late in the year comes and Portland starts dominating teams. You know, I remember that this was like the for sure game. Oklahoma City is going to beat Portland in game two. There's no way they're going to shoot poorly again, as they did in game one. And they did. There's a couple of things that I like about the Portland Trailblazers. They are incredibly good defensively. They've got a bunch of guys they can go to, and they've got not one, but two guys that they can go to late in games that shoot the ball at an efficient rate. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, scored 62 points combined yesterday. They're really good, this team. They can play. Now, and you got a star like Damian Lillard. You do, you do have a guy like that who, is, who continuously is one of the more underrated players in the, in the NBA. Absolutely, and it's because he plays for Portland and they're not sexy and everything like that, but absolutely, 100%. Portland is legitimate. They're legit. And I'll tell you why I'll tell you right now, this is why I think they're going to come out of this series and this is why I think that they're going to beat whoever they play in the next round. Whether it's Houston or whether it's Denver or any of those teams, right? This is why I think that they're going to be able to go to the Western Conference Finals. Because they play a style of game that is least prone to failure. They play a really good style of basketball. They get, a, they get a bunch of people involved. They go deep into their bench with a bunch of different players that can hit you in multiple different ways. Right? Portland, let's just look at this, right? Their big minute men yesterday were Lillard and McCollum at 37 and 36 minutes apiece. And then everything else was pretty spread out. Harkless was 29. Aminu was 23. Ennis Cantor played 20. 
Rodney Hooks, uh, Rodney Hood, twenty six. Seth Curry, eighteen. Myers Leonard, fifteen. Yeah, from three. <clears throat> Zach Collins, fourteen. Evan Turner, twelve. In the series from three, uh, the entire Thunder team is ten of sixty one. Damian Lillard Little and C.J. McCollum so far these first two games, 15-33 from the three. Portland is shooting 42% from three, and Oklahoma City is shooting 16% from three. Efficiency kills. Kills. Look, Portland, are they going to beat the Warriors? No. Do I think they're going to get to the Warriors? Yes. I do. They will be the team that nobody expected, and they will be the team that everybody's going to root for. Now, on Oklahoma City's end, I'm going to, I'm going to sound kind of a little weird. Oklahoma City is better, and I'm not the only person that says this. It is legitimately true. Oklahoma City is better when Russell Westbrook takes takes a back seat. They are. Russell Westbrook, I look, Russell Westbrook, as great as he is, okay, the guy is a stat-stuffing machine, the guy that averages a triple-double for three straight seasons, okay, not taking anything away from the guy. But he's inefficient. And at this point in the year, look, in the regular season, you can live. In the regular season, over the course of a year, you can still win games by being inefficient. When it comes to late in the year, when it comes to the playoffs, right now, the postseason, inefficiency ends you. And that's what Russell Westbrook is. And he's always been that. He's as aggressive as they come. He plays angry, okay? He, he'll shoot it from all over the floor, even if he knows he can't make the shot. Russell Westbrook is crazy aggressive but it's to his detriment Oklahoma City this year is better when Paul George is their lead guy they're better when Paul George is their lead guy look when I did Western Conference power rankings earlier on in the year most of the year I had Oklahoma City at number two behind the Warriors but Russell Westbrook's been averaging a triple double for years now Years. And as soon as Paul George comes out of his shell and starts playing well, that's when they start having more success. Russell Westbrook needs backup. <clears throat> pretty much what he needs right now. And Paul George said, yeah, Paul George has to have pretty much will have to be. But that that's guy. my but here's my thing, right? Russell Westbrook took 20 shots last night. Okay. I'd like him to maybe take a, a little bit less, but 20 shots last night. He had 14 points. He was 5 of 20. Three-point land, 1 of 6. Oh, but he almost had a... He, he, and look, he almost had a triple-double last night. 14, 9, and 11. Almost had a triple-double. But he's part of the reason they lost. You gotta make shots. You gotta make shots. Here's, uh, here's Not a, just take shots. Here's uh, the inside the NBA uh, crew's reaction to the game last night. Oh. Uh-huh. 
It was a good play, but okay. it's a it's it's a bush league play. Look you at think this. that's bush league? I do think that's bush Look at these look at these three point numbers, by the way. Fifteen out of thirty-three for Lillard and McCollum, and the Thunder through two games, ten for sixty-one oh, from that's, deep. That's the NBA today, Ernie. So yeah. eleven straight postseason road losses for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but now they get to go home and take on the Blazers. Yeah. Look at the rest of the series. Look at the next two games in OKC for me. What can they do mm. to try to stop or slow down Lillard and McCullough. Well, uh, the next two games. Oh yeah, in in, o in, in OKC. Yeah. Well, first let me ex explain what Bush League is for everybody 30 and under. Bush League means that it was a poor play. But it was cheap, and they're like, that's, yeah, a, but, you but, 60 that's not a. You don't that's think that's a bush league play, play do you? you? I, Talking about the. Um, you do that all the time to get your yeah, cards. Okay. Brooks Adams play. Ken, it's a 20-point game. You're just trying to send a message. I didn't Russell like Westbrook. Okay. I heard. I said it was a good play. You, you're, up 20, you're, you're up 16, and this is no need to set this pick. Come on, man. So like, okay, but but here's what they're. Here's what they're trying to get at, right? I didn't say what. They are. They, they're decimating Oklahoma City for poor shooting the ball and making dumb plays. What they're basically saying is, Westbrook, take the second seat. That's what that means. They are not going to say that directly, but that's what that means. Oklahoma City has to go back home and win both and I don't think they're gonna I think they're at least gonna lose one I think they're gonna lose one at least at home they have to beg themselves to shoot the ball better they lost by 20 to Portland last night 20 if you were gonna ask me right now but at the beginning of the year who was gonna be the better basketball team Oklahoma City or Portland I would have told you Oklahoma City and it wouldn't even uh, wouldn't have even been close Portland's better right now. They're the better basketball team. And as of right now, the way that I see it, they are the team that I think is most likely to go play Golden State in the conference finals. Okay. Uh, plenty of good stuff. Hour number two coming up. Um, this Lakers coaching search is getting really interesting because, you know, I, I, I've gone back and forth on this. And... I'll tell you why I think it could be a mistake if the Lakers hire Monty Williams instead of Ty Lue. And I've come, I've come around almost full circle on this. That's coming up next. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number two. Good to have you here on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call 631 676 2968. That is 631 676 2968. Call us up, join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Um, I just saw something funny here. Um, so, what? Uh, Clay Travis, who I respect uh, quite a bit. Um, Clay Travis of Spock, uh, Fox Sports does outkick, uh, outkick the coverage. 
um, said this about Russell Wilson yesterday, and I think it was I think it's hilarious. Average guy in America is ugly, fat, and makes $34,000 a year. Russell Wilson signed a $140 million contract. He's good-looking, he won a Super Bowl, and he tells you about it from from bed next to Sierra. This is one of the most dunk and hang-on-the-rim moments in sports. I mean... <laughs> I just... I'm sorry, that's good. That's really good. But, um... Anyway, this is so this is so weird. Like, what? No, it, it, it was no. I I get it. I, it was a it was definitely an awkward kind of makes you feel uncomfortable moment. <sighs> but he's exactly right. I mean, that is a that is a I've taken the world by storm kind of kind of move. He's absolutely right. You know, laying in bed next to this beautiful, uh, ext- also extremely rich, powerful woman, right? You just got paid all this giant, gigantic money. You've won a Super Bowl before. You're handsome. You are like you have achieved all that a man can achieve. So um, uh, I, I know we got to talk about the Lakers, but yeah. Uh, but Manish Mehta just leaked, uh, just put out an article in the Daily News of the entire New York Jets schedule. He put it up. Oh, yeah. He put it all out. Uh According to him, they will well, not. What, di- what divisions do they play? They play the AFC North. Okay, which means they play Baltimore. So I'm actually looking Bal- for that game okay. right now. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Wow, that rave. So again, this is according to Manish Mehta. That Ravens game is Week 15 Thursday Night Football at Baltimore, December 12th. Your eyes are going to be wow. glued to that TV. I, I, I. I'm Those actually, are two teams, right? Actually, there, I'm Baltimore a little. Actually, Jets. I'm a little upset because I can't go. I don't think I can go. I was planning on hopefully going to the game, but Thursday night, I can't. I think I can go. Why I not? Be working. My brother's at school. My brother's actually uh, looking. Oh, but me. it's so f- it's so far away, though. Have you can't, you can make plans around yeah, that, yeah, can't yeah. you? Yeah, we we want to make a find a way. We it's months away. We want to meet again. I'm, uh, if, uh, that's again. Now Manish made to put this out. Put this article out. This is at daily, New York Daily News dot com. The entire New York Jets article. Wow, that Raven game really is Thursday night. Mm-hmm. At Baltimore at, on December twelfth, I was hoping for a September October game. You know, nice little early November, nice little warm Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So again, if my if my what I'm looking at the schedules, this is just for me personally with the Ravens. That's uh-huh. five. I counted five po- uh, primetime games for the Ravens, just from all the leaks I'm seeing. Five. I'm counting five. The Jets, so the Jets will open the season against, again, the all coordination made, they will open the season against the Bills. Well, the Jets are going to be such, the Jets are going to be an amazing team to watch yeah. this year. And then the, then Monday night against the Browns at home, that's week two, then they're at the Patriots for the first time, week three. Oh, I hate it. Early buys for the Jets, week four, I hate those early buys. Week four, at Philly, week five, week six, we should go, you, me, and Renee. Week six, home at MetLife against the Dallas Cowboys. You, me, Renee, and everybody here should go to that game. Fogarty. Get Fogarty to go. We should all go to that game. That'd be, that would be a lot of fun. Week I'd, seven. I'd week seven. Monday Night Football against the Patriots. The Jets. Week seven, Monday Night Football. Look, I, I would pray for the Jets to win that game. Week but eight, week nine, they're in Florida. I mean, you know it. I mean, I'm not a fan of a New York team. I actually am not really 
fond of either one, but I absolutely despise the Giants. Oh. If I had to pick a New York team to be the to be a fan, a New York football team to be a fan of, it would, right. be, it would be the Jets. They but. go to Florida week eight, week nine at Jacksonville at Miami week eight, week nine. Then they're home against the Giants. Then well, it's a home game for them against the Giants week ten uh-huh. at, at Washington week eleven home right. against home against the Raiders week twelve mm-hmm. uh, at the Bengals week thirteen home against the Dolphins week fourteen. Week 15, apparently this is it. Thursday Night Football at Baltimore. Week 16, the Le'Veon Bell revenge game. Home yeah, against Pittsburgh. Steelers. Nice. And week 17 at Buffalo to close the season out. All right. This All is, right. again, a Cornell Amish made it. We'll see when the schedule comes out tonight. Yeah, when the schedule comes out tonight, I'm gonna we're going to dive into it. I might actually, um, maybe I'll even do predictions. Like, maybe I'll even do, like, standings predictions. <laughs> Just for the hell of it. Just for the heck. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think it'd be that'd be pretty fun. All Dan- right, Nick Bosa. Oops, sorry. Daniel Jeremiah posted his mock draft. So yeah, I saw it. Out. I got to be honest, and I, I, I really like DJ. I really, really do, and he's an incredibly smart guy. I, there are a, a lot of picks in his mock draft that I don't like at let all. Me, let me see. And I don't know if he, I don't know if he does those mock drafts for what he would do or what he's hearing, but. If it is what he would do, I I disagree with him completely, and and I respect him a lot. I really do. He's a really smart guy. I just disagree with him. He bunch has of what the he Packers says. taking a quarterback. Well, uh, at thirty, oh, right? Yeah, he's got him taking. He's got him taking. Uh, uh, was it Drew Locke or Will Greer? That's the Broncos taking Devin White. The the Giants taking Daniel Jones at six. The Jets taking Ed Oliver at three. I've seen Ed Oliver I don't, top I, five. Top. I'll 50. tell you. I'll tell you what though. If the Jets do take Ed Oliver at three, that's not a bad pick. Ravens. Ed take Oliver Corbin can Farrell, really play. And the Packers take Drew Locke at thirty. Yeah, yeah. I see. I that's the thing is I don't. I just don't see that happening after they just paid Aaron Rodgers. You, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't, uh, like, and I wouldn't even disagree with it if they didn't pay Rodgers yet, but if they, but they just paid him, I, I feel like they're going to wait at least a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Gosh, can, but, but do you want to tick Aaron Rodgers off even more? What do you mean? Why? Don't you think Aaron Rodgers, don't you think oh, Aaron Rodgers by, get a yeah, little more that, ticked off yeah, and frustrated? I wouldn't, yeah, I, I Aaron wouldn't. Aaron be like, wait, you I paid me. I wouldn't dip into that. You, look, the Packers did so good in free agency. They did. And if they focus on offense in this draft, the Packers can be really, really good next year. So I don't I don't want – they shouldn't try to bring in any extra controversy. I agree with that. He writes so, He writes for Kyler Murray. I'm not as confident as I once was that Murray will be the pick because yeah, the team Yeah, there's, there's, there's some sort of speculation that he might not go number one. I would I, be shocked. I still think he will. I really still think he will. He has the Bengals taking Dwayne Haskins at 11. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen either. From everything that I've heard, I don't think uh, Cincinnati is not. Uh, Cincinnati, I don't think is likely to take a quarterback in the first round. Mm. I don't think it's likely. But okay, um, so let's get into this. So reports have said that Monty Williams, who right now is an assistant with the um, with the Philadelphia 76ers, is the favorite over Ty Lue to be the next Laker head coach. So I've and look, I've heard a lot of people saying that hiring Ty Lue would be a mistake. And and there's a couple of reasons why. Okay? And and these are really the two names that are surrounding this whole conversation, right? Is Monty Williams and Tyron Lue. I I got to say, okay? 
This has been the problem with the Lakers all along, and I've made this point before. I made it before on Monday. The Lakers let way too many things into their space. Okay? Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson in that front office are letting too many distractions in. They are not taking care of what they should take care of in their franchise. They're just not, right? So when we look at what's happening in this coaching search, right? So you fire, so you uh, you don't fire, but you mutually part ways with Luke Walton, which I, I don't think was a bad decision. I, I actually agree with it. I think you probably should have let him go. Um, but I've heard a lot of people saying that if you hire Ty Lue, the Lakers would essentially be admitting to handing the franchise over to LeBron. That's why you can't hire Ty Lue, right? And 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 this is what I've heard, is that if you hire Ty Lue, you're basically telling everybody, yeah, LeBron's got... LeBron, he is in control of this franchise. Um, I will say this. This is exactly what's wrong with the Lakers. You're letting the narratives that other people paint tell the story of your organization. When you signed LeBron, let me ask you a real question. When you signed LeBron, did you really expect to play by different rules than he's played by his whole career? Now, I can agree that Ty Lue isn't a great basketball coach. This won't be, if he gets hired, this won't be a well-coached team. It will not be. I, Ty Lue, to me, is not a great basketball coach. But he knows how to handle your best player. Listen, the, the Lakers need to understand that LeBron isn't their wife. They're not married with kids to LeBron. But it is an investment that they has to has to pay off for the Lakers. Well, that exactly. That's what I'm saying. The Lakers are dating LeBron. They're dating him. The Lakers don't need this to be a solid relationship for ten plus years. But it's a short window. Right. The Lakers they need to get the most out of this for three years, and then you can move on. You don't have to try and save face with the LeBron camp or with your fan base for multiple, multiple years. I guarantee you, in the next three years, at the end of this contract, LeBron is either going to leave the Lakers or he is going to retire. That's just what's going to happen. And I have a feeling that he could retire. LeBron is already venturing out into other venues outside of basketball. Maybe outside of this maybe after this contract is over, after this contract he'll be what 37, 38 years old. He might just say, you know, I've played for almost 20 years. It might just be time. And that's okay. But you've got 3 years with LeBron. Who cares? Here's my point. Is it easy to deal with LeBron? No. And I've been a guy that is openly admitted as a, as a LeBron fan myself, and everybody knows that, and I do a lot of defending of LeBron, I can even admit that LeBron can be sometimes hard to handle. He can be hard to deal with. 
and that is the one big criticism that I take away from him because I think that if he was easier to deal with, he would have had a lot more success in his career. But at the very same time, you have to kind of think, if you're the Lakers, you never should have expected to bring in a guy like LeBron, or not even a guy like LeBron, bring in LeBron and expect something different that he's had for his whole career. Look, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal player with an incredibly large personality, with incredible weight in decision-making. Okay, he has leverage, but he only has leverage because he's the best player in the world. LeBron James has got it. Okay, the last time he missed the playoffs besides this past year. Wow, I, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Mike, but you so, as soon as you said LeBron has got the lights went on. Yeah, right. LeBron has got it. Le- thank yeah. you, LeBron, for the lights. God's listening. But, no, seriously. The last time LeBron missed the playoffs besides this year was 2004, his rookie year. He has not missed the playoffs in 15 years. Look, whatever LeBron does... Whatever problem he causes in front offices, whatever dysfunction that he causes, doesn't it seem like it's kind of worth it? You know, LeBron hasn't won as much, hasn't won as many titles as Jordan. He's been to more finals than Jordan, but and he's been to more playoffs than Jordan, and he's won more playoff series than Jordan. LeBron does a lot of winning. And this is the issue with the Lakers. The Lakers are so afraid of having the stigma of the Lakers changed by a player who changes whatever franchise he goes to. Okay, the Cleveland Cavaliers were a big old nothing burger before LeBron came. Okay, the best player in their history in Cleveland Cavalier history before LeBron James was either one of Brad Doherty or Mark Price. Ooh. You ever think of them as all-time greats? See, I agree with that sense more so than I ever, more so than I would agree with the Russell Wilson point. I definitely would agree with that one, that the, that the Cavs, that the Cavs mm-hmm. were, you know. Well, this one's obvious. Nothing. This, one, That's, this yeah, one's obvious. really, this one's really easy to get on with, but. The Cavaliers were a big old nothing burger. And then all of a sudden, Cleveland becomes this big old basketball town because of LeBron James. They bring in Larry Hughes. They bring in Shaquille O'Neal. You know, uh, Zydrunas Ilgauskas becomes a global star. Right? Now, none of those guys really had much success in Cleveland. You know, LeBron was really the only guy that made it work over there. But that's what happens. Cleveland was a nothing burger. Who really cared in playing in small, miserable, gray Cleveland? I mean, really. And then he goes to Miami, go plays with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and a bunch of nobodies. Wins a couple titles there, and then he goes back to Cleveland. The media follows him wherever he goes. The Lakers... This is the first time where I've ever seen the Lakers not being able to handle being the Lakers. 
Yeah, you brought in a star player for the first time since Kobe was in his prime. And to be honest, LeBron gets way more media attention than Kobe ever did. Way more. Nobody ever considered the fact that that Kobe could be better than Jordan, right? LeBron now that he's on the he's on he's in the goat conversation now, whether you agree with it or not, he is. All the media attention's on him. LeBron is the league. LeBron had to save the league again. After Jordan left, after Jordan's prime, after that was over in the 90s, the league did take a step back. Then LeBron came and everybody started lighting it up again. And now the Lakers kind of expected something different when they brought him in. They really, I, I, I can't really explain it. Jeannie Buss knew what she got herself into. She hired Magic Johnson, who she loves to death, who brought in LeBron James, who has his own camp. She she brought in Rob Palenka, who is Kobe Bryant's agent. There's a lot of different ways that this can go. Of course there was power struggle. Of course there was. Monty Will- let me let me bring this back to the coaching search. Monty Williams is a better basketball coach than Ty Lue. Period. Point blank. Monty Williams, in my opinion, is a better basketball coach than Ty Lue. Neither one of them are great. But Monty Williams is more stable. He's probably more liked by players. But Ty Lue has proven that he can work with LeBron. And LeBron so, likes him. So why would you be reluctant to hire a guy that gives you a better chance of bringing the best out of LeBron to you. And the reason for that, the reason why they are reluctant is because they are afraid of the pushback. Everybody, and they're not wrong, everybody on every network, including this one, is going to say, well, they hired Ty Lue, LeBron's got the franchise now. Yeah, well, if you hire Ty Lue, that doesn't have to be the truth for you. Look, it could people could talk about it all they want. Don't let the media dictate the story of your franchise. If you have to hire a coach that LeBron likes in order for you to have success, I don't think that's too much to ask for. He's your best player. He's the best player in the league. If he asks for a little much, so be it. He did sign a four-year contract with you where he would sign nothing but one-year deals with everybody else. Look, LeBron's committed to being in L.A. He just wants it to be worth his stay. And that's why I've kind of come full circle on this. I don't like Ty Lue as a head coach. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a good one. I don't think he ever was a good one. I mean the Lakers. I mean, I mean when he when Cavs, he co- when he coached the Cavs, they were not a well coached basketball team. But I mean the Cavs fired him after six games this year. That was kind of a you know really like I really felt if you didn't like him that much, just fire him right right after the. I mean I know you could say well it doesn't look good no, to fire I, him after a finals look, appearance. I I I, but, I I get it, but that's that's my whole point. Why is, leave him there? That, if you didn't like him. Look, I agree, and that I think that is more of the more to do with the dysfunction of Cleveland than 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 everything else. But Ty Lue. Uh, look, I, I don't think he's a great basketball coach, but again, I will repeat it over and over again. 
LeBron the James. The one thing that Ty Lue does well is he's good at handling LeBron. LeBron James said in an interview with uh, Jim Hill of CBS Los Angeles, I came here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to play winning basketball and take this team back where it should be. I see all those banners. I see all those banners, all those championship banners. I want to be a part of one of those. And also... I, and I also I also see all these banners with all the Laker greats, Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Elgin, Will, Kobe, Shaq. I want to be up there too, and that's my motivation. I won't stop until I put this franchise in a position to compete for a championship, hopefully win a right. championship, and hopefully see my jersey hanging the rafters. That's what it's all about. Right. And look, I get it. So why give them a hard time? Don't be reluctant because you're scared of the media. Make a decision that's best for your franchise, not what everybody else thinks is best for your franchise. And you know for a fact that hiring a guy that works well with LeBron gives you the highest chance of success. That's the end goal. So do it. Okay. Uh, Like I said, plenty of good stuff today. Uh, So coming up, our uh, later part of hour number two, we're halfway through already. Man, oh, man. Um. I want to dip into the playoffs a little bit because I think that the NBA has kind of a... The NBA has a problem. And I want to see if people actually legitimately disagree with me because I'm going to give percentage chances of teams to win the NBA Finals. There are four teams, in my opinion, that could win the Finals. And we'll see how those percentages shake up. That's coming up next. Hour number two... Second part of hour number two here in the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on this Wednesday, halfway through, and still plenty to go. So. I told you that that I think that there are four teams in the playoffs right now that can that can win the finals. I think that there are only four. Um, so I gave percentages and I and I made kind of like a pie chart. Um, We're doing math here. Doing a little bit of meth. Serious math. Oh, oh God. Um, doing a little bit of meth. Um, no, math. I, I, math. 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 Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but here we go. So there are four teams in the league that can win the that can win the NBA Finals. You want me to tell you right now, or you want me to wait a little and tell you later? These are teams with the percentage of winning the NBA Finals. Yeah, I assume the Golden State Warriors are like at a hundred, ninety nine point nine, ninety ninety eight, ninety nine point eight, ninety nine point seven, ninety nine point. <laughs> I'll keep going. Um, all right, so here we go. All right, you ready? Yes. So these four teams can win the NBA Finals. Ooh. All right. I'm going to give a 5% chance to the Houston Rockets. Um, I think that there is a small chance that they could do it, but that's only if they get by Golden State, and I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. Um, I think James Harden is playing at an otherworldly level right now it's the the funny thing is is that he's he's actually scoring a ton at one of his most efficient rates of his career which is incredible he averaged 36 points a game this year which was amazing 
Um, and I'll say this. You ready? If, if, and I'm only, like I said, I'm only giving the Houston Rockets a 5% chance of winning the NBA title. I think that if, if uh, James Harden and the Houston Rockets beat Golden State in the Western Conference Finals or um, beat him anywhere in the Western Conference, I will admit this. I will say this personally, and I won't be ashamed of it. James Harden would be the best player in the league. If James Harden and the Houston Rockets beat the Golden State Warriors this year in the playoffs, I will say that James Harden will unseat LeBron as the best player in the league. James Harden really? would be the best player in basketball. I'm yes. shocked to hear you say that. Absolutely, <laughs> he would be. And and that's the thing is somebody's going to take the crown of that eventually. And I really didn't expect it to be a guy like James Harden. I was expecting it to be Kevin Durant. I was expecting it to be Giannis. I was expecting it to be Anthony Davis. But James Harden actually played pretty good defense this year. He's obviously the best one-on-one scorer in the league. James Harden would probably be the guy. Yeah. So I and if he does beat Golden State, James Harden I think would be the best team in the league, uh, the best player in the league. So I'm giving Houston a five percent chance. Uh, I'm going to give the Boston Celtics another five percent chance. And again, this is uh, Boston really underwhelmed this year. They really did not play as well as everybody expected. There was some issues going on with Kyrie Irving. Uh, there were some issues going on with Gordon Hayward. Uh, Jason Tatum did not have as good a year this year as he did last year. Um, there were a bunch of different players that needed to get used to their new roles, and they didn't really do that well. So they were, they're still a serviceable basketball team, but they've definitely struggled. I will say this, though, and, and here's my thing. I think that they all can put it together. And, and I think that over the course of the year, we haven't really diagnosed the problem with the Celtics properly. You know, it was always, oh, Gordon Hayward doesn't fit Brad Stevens' system. Oh, Kyrie Irving now doesn't fit Brad Stevens' system. It's all about these guys that don't necessarily quote-unquote fit. I'll say this. I actually think that the problem with the Celtics is that we kind of gave them too much credit at the beginning of the year. They, They are not overwhelmingly better than Toronto. They are not overwhelmingly better than Milwaukee. I don't really even think that they're better than those two teams. I think when it comes to finals chances, I think I probably have a little bit more faith in Boston than teams like Toronto and and and, and Indiana and Philadelphia and those teams, right? Boston, I just think, has the pieces to put it together. But I think we kind of misdiagnosed them all year. But maybe it's just that they're not as good as we thought. It's, maybe it's not about systems. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with Kyrie Irving's attitude, too. And Terry Rozier, I think, hit it on the money. He's like, look, Kyrie's our guy. Kyrie's our leader. We all love him. But when he's in a bad mood one day, we're all we're, we're all off. And that's really been the problem with the Celtics all year long. And Kyrie Irving was in a bad mood a lot this year. So Boston has another 5% chance. So Houston at 5%, Boston at 5%. I'm going to give another 5% to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that they are incredibly good. And again, this is one of those teams where they can beat you in so many different ways. They're so long and athletic, and they shoot the three ball incredibly well. They're great defensively, and they're they're blowing teams out. You know, they, they have the highest 
uh, I forget what the stat is called, but it the point differential in their wins, their average point differential in their wins is the highest in the league. They beat teams by an average of like 15 points a game. So they are they're blowing teams out most nights. Milwaukee's really good. I'm giving them a 5% chance. I think that they do have the MVP of the league right now in Giannis. Um, and to be honest with you, Giannis is going to be another guy in that conversation where is he going to be the best player in basketball? And you could easily make that argument, and I'm not sure if I'd be able to argue against you with the season that he's put together. But I'll tell you right now, Milwaukee, I think, is that team in the Eastern Conference to beat. I think they are the team that has the highest chance of possibly going to the NBA Finals and beating the Golden State Warriors because we all know that the Warriors are going to get there. So Milwaukee, I'm going to give a 5% chance. Boston's a 5% chance. Houston, a 5% chance. And like I said, I only think four teams can win the NBA Finals. So I'm going to give an 85% chance to the Golden State Warriors to win the whole thing. And again, this is not an exaggeration. This is not a, a shot at anybody else. Golden State right now is, they're the Goliath. They Nobody can beat them, okay? Oh, big deal how they lost Boogie Cousins for the rest of the season. I, who cares? They've still got the team that they got last year that blew out everybody in the playoffs, made everybody look like children, and swept LeBron's Cavs team in the finals, okay? I'm sorry. It's really not going to make a difference. Did having Boogie make them a little bit more unbeatable? Yes. Are they still unbeatable? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, those are three of the best shooters in the league. They play incredible defensively. They've got a ton of depth, guys. I mean, what are they going to do? Seriously, they were really good when Boogie was hurt for the first part of the year. Now, I'm going to say this. I actually feel bad for Boogie Cousins a little bit. Because I think this injury is going to play into his next contract and what oh, yeah. his next contract is going to get. Because now he's a guy that isn't really coachable and injury prone. You know what I mean? It's it's kind the guy's kind of kind of has a he's got a bad rap around the league, and now he's injury prone. It's going to be tough. His next contract is going to be hurt. So that's what I give teams to win the NBA Finals. I'm going to give a five percent chance to the Houston Rockets. A 5% chance to the Boston Celtics, 5% chance to the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm going to give an 85% chance to the Golden State Warriors. And this is the problem with the league. And everyone else is a big, fat bagel. Bless you. Toronto's got no shot. I know I just bragged about Portland about an hour ago. Portland's got no shot. As much as I like them, Oklahoma City has no shot. Denver's got no shot. Okay, I just, Philadelphia, Toronto, they don't have a shot. These are the four teams that I think could win it. And it is really close. Like I said, it is getting really close to the point of where Boston, Milwaukee, and Houston, they're close to not having a shot either. It's by some miracle I have them getting to the, uh, winning to the, uh, winning the finals. It, It would take a miracle or crazy injuries or something like that for the Warriors to go down. Again, and this is what I think the NBA's problem is, is at least when LeBron was in the playoffs and in the Eastern Conference, NBA fans could at least hold out a little bit of hope. Like, oh, maybe LeBron can beat the Warriors this year. And it was like a small little inkling, but people still tuned in because they wanted to see if it could happen, right? 
this year, there is nothing like that. There's nothing like that. The Golden State Warriors have taken over the league. The NBA has a legitimate problem. Nobody is even close to them. Nobody. When you know the end result, why watch? Right? Why go to a movie? Why go to a movie if you already know how it ends? Period. And I know a bunch of people that, oh, but it's my favorite movie, and I, I, I'd watch it over and over and over again. I, look, I have one of those movies, too. Unless you are a Warriors fan, you're not watching. I can tell you right now that the NBA this year, I, I the we've gone, the NBA season started early last year on this show, and you can detest to this, Evan. We did not cover a ton of NBA. We did not cover... Over the regular season? Over the regular season. We did not cover a ton of NBA. Well, you didn't want to. You kept saying it was boring. Well, boring. yeah. It is a boring, boring league. And yeah, now that the playoffs are happening, it's getting a little bit more interesting because we're getting good basketball games. But again, at the end of the day, we're looking at the Warriors in the same spot. So again, to recap, I'm giving an 85% chance to the Warriors to win the championship. A 5% chance each for the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, and the Houston Rockets. I think those are the only teams that could do it. And I think Golden State will end up doing it by the end of the year. So, that's it. Evan, what do you think? I think, I mean, yeah, 85% of the Warriors, I mean, you, yeah, you could probably go a little longer if you want. 85. I almost 90%. did it higher. I almost gave a higher chance. Higher? Yeah, I almost went to um, 90. I might. How much was? Tor- Did you give any chance to Toronto? Was it five no. percent? No. Wow. I, I give. I give a little chance to Toronto. I like Toronto a lot. I. I like Toronto too. I just. I don't think. They don't have a good playoff identity at all. Okay. Kyle Lowry does not play well in the playoffs. I know he had a good game last night, but they do not play well in the playoffs usually at all. And. Again, I just. I think that when it comes to teams like Boston and Milwaukee, I think they are teams that are better built to win the finals. The Raptors could get to the finals. I don't think they'd win it. Currently assembled. And I love their team. I do. I think they've got a ton of talent. It's just I don't think that they have the right talent in place to unseed the Warriors. Boston, I'm not even sure Boston and Milwaukee does. I just think that they they have a better shot at um, at beating Golden State than Toronto does. That's right. just me. I I, I, I think I got to give a little a little nod to Toronto there, a little percent chance to Toronto. Uh, Portland, I agree. Brooklyn. What do you Brooklyn. think about Philly? Because Philly, I think I should. I think I need to give some love to the to the Sixers too, because I, I I think the Sixers can make a run. I do. I I got to give a little nod to Philly though. You gave them zero percent. Uh, yeah, no, well, everybody else except for, everybody else except for Golden State, Milwaukee, Boston, and Houston got zero. I I think nobody else has a shot, and and I'll tell you why I didn't put Philly, because Too inconsistent? Not not playing to the talent level? Philly, I watched the first couple of games after the trade deadline with Philly when they brought in Tobias Harris and Boban and Mike Scott and guys like, like when they brought in those guys, I actually, they looked really impressive. I actually really liked what they were putting together. They were really, really good. Um, 
but they just they are so streaky in every way. Defensively, sometimes they don't play. Offensively, they get really inefficient way too often, right? I mean, uh, and to be honest, I still think that they really haven't figured out each other yet. How far, you know? How far do the, do they have to get to the playoffs for, for to help Brett Brown his status? I first, of all, well, I don't think Brett Brown's going to get fired either way, but I think to help him. I mean, I, I would say if he wins this series and loses in the second round, I think he's pretty okay. Okay. Because uh, you got to keep in mind, I mean, the four best teams in the Eastern Conference, the four teams at the end of the day that are going to move on are going to be Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philly, right? Uh, if he lose, if Brett Brown and the Sixers lose to Brooklyn, that that could be troubling for their front office, but I don't think that's going to happen. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. But that's the thing is Philly gets really inconsistent way too often. They really do. Joel Embiid sometimes has an awful night. Ben Simmons will hit one shot sometimes. I, it's just, and again, I don't know if they really figure out who to get the ball to at certain points, right? Some nights, Tobias Harris has seven points. Jimmy Butler, I think, had seven points last night when they won. It's just... Yeah, seven points, seven assists. They they just don't... I, I don't think they figured each other out yet. I, I, and it's really interesting to know why, but... Philadelphia, I think, is way too... They're way too iffy. They're attractive. They're sexy, but they're way too iffy right now. I just... I can't really buy into the Sixers yet. So... But those are the percentage chances for the NBA Finals. 5% each to the Rockets, Celtics, and Bucks. And then... I'm going to give an 85% chance to the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> boy, oh boy. And Sounds I mean so that, happy. by the way. If James Harden and the Rockets do beat Golden State, I do. Th- I would crown James Harden as the best player in basketball. <laughs> I would give him I would give him the crown over everybody. I would. If he, and, and I don't think I'd be the only one that says that. If he does beat the Golden State Warriors, he is the best player in the, ba- in, in the league. Well, you, you can make a case for the past three years he has been the best player in the NBA. You really have. Past three years, maybe. Maybe. May- I wouldn't say past three. May- maybe past two. Two. Maybe past two. Last year, look, I would say last year, I don't. I didn't think he deserved to win MVP. I thought the MVP should have been LeBron last year, but I, I, I'm not going to say that he didn't deserve it. He absolutely did. But um, LeBron or Anthony Davis, I think, should have got the MVP last year. But, okay. Hour number three, coming up next, Russell Wilson. Look, his contract, whether you like it or not, his contract is worth it. And I'm going to tell you, there's a bunch of reasons why his contract is worth it. That's coming up next. Hour number three of the Haystack coming up on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number three, here we go, in the haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, we're everywhere, you're in the right place, number to call, 631-676-2968, that is 631-676-2968, call us up, join the conversation, I'm Mike Guido, he's Evan Mazza, my producer, good to have you in. 
Christian Yelich had another homer last night. Boy, that guy is on fire. He is, he is amazing. Fire. He is amazing. I read you a statistic. <laughs> I'm watching. We're watching the the Met game today. The Philly the fanatic Philly, is Philly awesome. Fanatic. Oh, I, lo- I do love the Philly fanatic. I hate the Phillies. I hate the Philadelphia Phillies, but I do love the Philly fanatic. No, but I showed you that. I sh- I read you that tweet uh, earlier today. This is before the show started. That Cody Bellinger. Uh, Chris Davis, Jay Bruce, Christian Yelich, and other guys have more home runs this season than the entire Detroit Tigers team. That's amazing. Who have seven. Well, yeah. well Detroit's got no pop on their team. They have, they, have, they have nobody that can hit the ball out of the ballpark, right? Miguel Cabrera does not hear, hit nearly as many home runs as he used to. No. Nick Castellanos is a 20-25 homer a year guy. I Boy, mean, Castellanos is just stranded there. I want him so bad to get to a contender. But... Yeah, he will. He'll he'll get traded somewhere. Yeah. But other than that, Evan, they, they don't really have anybody that hits the ball out. No. I mean, Nico Goodrum's got some sneaky pop, but other than that, uh, who else is there? My, uh, Mikey Matuk and Jamer Candelario. I mean, they they just don't have anybody that hit, no. hits the ball out of the ballpark. They just no. don't. All right, hour number three. So glad to have you in. Uh, there's no chalk talk today, which is no, no chalk talk today, which is pretty upsetting because I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Renee. Um, I've known Renee for a long time. I, not a lot of people know that I've known Renee for years. Really? I, How I, have you known? I've known Renee for it's got to be almost like five or six years. I've known Renee. He went to the same school as you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Renee and I went to college together. Suffolk, right? Sure, absolutely. Yep. So I I know him. Um, I know I've known him for a long time. I've known Tyler for a long time, obviously. Um, but anyway, I've obviously know known you for a little bit. I didn't know that you know you've known Renee for that long. I've known Renee for a long time. I have known Renee for a long time. Uh, okay. So here was the big story of yesterday. Russell Wilson gets paid four years, hundred forty million dollars. Average annual value thirty five million dollars a year. He's the highest paid player in NFL history. Um. And again, I cannot believe how dead on I was about this situation. Okay, Russell Wilson of the Giants was never going to happen. And you know why? Because the Seahawks were never going to let him go. The Seahawks were never going to let Russell Wilson walk. Zero. Look, yeah, this deadline was early, but it was a negotiating tactic. I would have guaranteed you this, okay? Russell Wilson did not not like Seattle, okay? Russell Wilson thinks that Seattle's a special city. He loves it there. He didn't want to leave. He just wanted to get paid. And that's fine. All of this talk about, look, after this deadline of April 15th, we are. Not, I am not going to negotiate a long-term contract with you, period. And my opinion was, if a deal didn't get done, he'd probably still show up. He'd still go to practice. He'd still do all these things. And what would have happened was, well, all right, a month later, the, negotiation, uh, the negotiations will open back up, and he'll probably still get paid. If Russell Wilson didn't want to be in Seattle, if he wanted to leave and want to go to New York, he never would have signed a contract. 
no amount of money would have made him stay. That's the way it works. Russell Wilson would never have had any trouble finding money in the NFL. Okay? He's a top five quarterback that everybody in the league would want. Almost almost every, but every team in the league would take Russell Wilson over their current quarterback, even if he's a good one. Okay? I'm sure the Panthers would love Russell Wilson over Cam Newton. I'm sure the Atlanta Falcons would love Russell Wilson over, um, over Matt Ryan. I'm sure a bunch of teams would take Russell Wilson over their starter. A handful of teams wouldn't. But you don't have to worry about those teams. So, here's my thing. The Seahawks gave him the moon, and rightfully so. They did. They gave him a crap ton of money. Russell Wilson is this franchise. And I know Evan disagrees uh, disagrees with me on this. No, I, 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 know. I think he's the fr- but uh, no, I know he's the franchise. But you know, to say like he was the guy who you know made them relevant, I'm like, well, that's just that's just my view. I agree, he's the franchise. He's the best. I'm not going to say had. that he. I'm not going to say that he made them relevant. I'm going to say that he he made them a lot bigger than what they were. Okay, I would also. I, I think he legitimately globalized their brand. If you didn't live in the upper northwest of the United States, you didn't really care about what the Seahawks it, were doing. I I, can, I think to a point that's the case, but I also think the Legion, the, the the that secondary made a made a big impact. That defense made a big impact. I think the Marshawn Lynch effect made a big impact on. Not saying Russell Wilson didn't play a role. I love yeah, Marshawn Russell Lynch Wilson. was there. Love before, Russell Marshawn Lynch was there beforehand. You know what I mean? Like, but that's, but this is exactly my point. Okay, and this is my message to people that, um, if you if you think he's on if you think he's overpaid, right? You know, if you don't like the trend, you don't like the trend. But Russell Wilson's not overpaid. Let me tell you why. There's a bunch of things that you got to consider. Okay, first thing, Russell Wilson made the Seahawks a franchise that people care about. He globalized your brand. Yeah, the Seahawks, the Legion of Boom, and the 12th Man, and Pete Carroll, and Marshawn Lynch, and all of that was okay. But then they got New Jersey's, and Russell Wilson came in, and boom, the sparks flew. The Seahawks became a global brand, not just a local brand. Secondly, Russell Wilson won you a Super Bowl in his second year. It's not supposed to happen. You know, there's this thing called the sophomore slump that a lot of players hit. A lot of them. Most of them do, then don't. He went 13-3 and in his second year and won a Super Bowl. Third, Russell Wilson is as professional and uncontroversial as they come. While also, on top of that, being married to another celebrity. Think about this, okay? Most professional athletes have wives that are not in the global spotlight. Most of them do, right? Not everybody's wife. LeBron James's wife is not in the global spotlight. And most of the players in sports that do have wives that are in the global spotlight, or partners, I will say, Tristan Thompson, a lot of them. It 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 it's to their detriment. It's not to their favor. Russell Wilson 
who's married to Sierra, this incredibly beautiful, incredibly successful, incredibly powerful female musician. She grabs a lot of spotlight, too. But do you ever hear any controversy about them as a couple? No, they usually very quiet. And Sierra, let me just say this. Sierra does not have the most glorious past, right? Sierra is the is the baby mama of 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 future. She does not have the greatest past in the world. But even with that, Russell Wilson comes in. They have a stable, successful relationship that you hear nothing about. You know, to most people that don't look at the sports world, Russell Wilson is just Sierra's husband. I mean, that's the way that it looks. Fourth, Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in the league. And he's amazing in big moments. Amazing. Russell Wilson, absolutely. If you were to look at all of the quarterbacks in the league, how many of them could you name right now that are definitively better than Russell Wilson? And I did this. How many could I definitively name as better than Russell Wilson? And there were two that I could come up with. Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And that was literally it. Those are the only guys that I could definitively take over Russell Wilson. There are a couple of other guys that I I think are in the conversation who might be better, but might also not be better. Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation. Andrew Luck is in that conversation. Patrick Mahomes is eventually probably going to be in that conversation. Big Ben could probably be in that conversation. But none of those guys are definitively better, at least in my opinion, than Russell Wilson. Two guys are. Two. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. And then last, Russell Wilson has rare leadership qualities that carry on forever. No matter who goes into that locker room, you can follow Russell Wilson. You can look at Russell Wilson as a leader. He's a great, great player. Not only is he a great player, but he's a great people person. He gets along with a lot of people. He's polite. His leadership style is not one as of Aaron Rodgers, a la Big Ben, to where your leadership style is you're kind of throwing people under the bus or you're bringing people down or you're causing dysfunction in your locker room. No, Russell Wilson leads. He leads, and he leads by example in that respect. You know, when Seattle, when they were winning, when they were winning their, when they were going to their Super Bowls, when they had their super teams, right, with those super defenses, they were great teams, sure. But then all of a sudden they stopped winning. And while they were winning, everybody kind of remained quiet while Russell Wilson was there. But this was a team that was loaded with personalities. And they were loud ones, really loud. Right? Really loud. I mean, you're Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Earl Thomas, 
Marshawn Lynch. I you had a million different guys with different voices in Cam that Chancellor. locker room. Cam Chancellor and you know uh, Doug Baldwin. Yeah, you, you had a ton of guys with big personalities in that locker room. And Russell Wilson could handle all of them. And when it got to the point where he couldn't, the Seahawks let all of them go and not Russell Wilson. I think there's something to be said about somebody's ability to handle personalities. I think there's something to be said about leadership in the NFL. Russell Wilson has a rare quality of it. Okay, Drew Brees has that rare quality of leadership. Tom Brady has that weird has that rare quality of leadership. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Big Ben, guys that are as talented as can be as anybody in the league. They don't have those leadership qualities. They have success because of their talent. But their personalities always weigh their team down. I would take Russell Wilson. I would take Bottom Russell Wilson. Line is, I'd take Russell Wilson over a lot of quarterbacks. I think the only ones I would think of are Tom Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, maybe Ben, but Russell's certainly in the top five to me. He's certainly number five. Russell, to me, might be three or four. Huh. The only guy I'd probably entertain taking over him would be Aaron Rodgers. That would really be it right now. Maybe. But bottom line is, he's the highest paid player in NFL history, and he's worth every penny. Russell Wilson is not overpaid. If you don't like the trend, you don't like the trend. I, look, I'm not sure I love the trend of when the highest paid player in NFL history was Kirk Cousins at one point. I'm not sure I love that either. But if you're coming here... And you're thinking that Russell Wilson is overpaid by the Seattle Seahawks. That they panicked and they paid. Let me ask you this question. If Russell Wilson was the quarterback of your team, would you really sneeze at paying the guy? He won a Super Bowl for you in his second year. He's only won less than 10 games once in his seven-year career. He went 9 and 7 in 2017. You know, you've been to the playoffs 6 out of the 7 years he's been there. And football is a team game. It is a team game. But Russell Wilson's a big part of that. Cuz not only is he the quarterback of that team, but he does keep everybody together. And that's important. Russell Wilson's got it, man. Okay? The guy's not overpaid in any stretch of the imagination. And let me ask you this. What would you have paid him? If you were Seattle, what was your contract offer? I guarantee you that the contract that Seattle gave him was exactly the right price. Aaron Rodgers got $33.5 million on an annual basis. Russell Wilson got 35 over four years. 
So you're paying him till he's 34 years old. He'll probably get another contract after that. And then you can move on. To me, I think it's pretty simple. This is not a detriment to your franchise. You'll still be able to build around Russell Wilson. Draft well. You know, the philosophy doesn't really change when you draft, when you when you bring in a quarterback, you pay your quarterback, or, or anything like that, right? The philosophy does not really change. You still have to build primarily through the draft. Cap space has something to do with it. If you want to fill a hole or two, but the draft is the main priority. Correct. It's the it's the main priority to build a, to build a football team. Right. That's how it's always been and always will be. You teams get, that draft well win, and spend, teams that don't don't win. Eventually, and, the funny, and eventually, you make money. You create money in the cap. It's and you just have to spend the money wisely in free agency. Just because the Cleveland Browns have have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, because. Baker Mayfield has on a rookie deal doesn't mean they're going to be 100% successful. You still have to draft well, and they have Nick Chubb. They have David Njoku. They drafted Miles Garrett. They drafted Denzel Ward. Um, so that's kind of how it's going to happen. They're, they're going to have more draft picks this year. Also keep this in mind, too. Quarterback is by far the least expendable position. You need – like that. that is the position that you cannot easily replace – Right? Of course. But you can easily replace a running back. You can easily replace a couple of receivers. You can easily replace a corner or two. A linebacker. Quarterback, when you get one and it fits, build around him. You have to stick. Russell Wilson is a generationally good talent. You cannot let him go. The Seahawks made the right move. They did. They made the right move by paying him. Okay, let's go to break. So coming up next, I've got a surprise segment coming up a little bit later. Um, So coming up next, the Yankees did, in fact, beat the Red Sox last night. Their first matchup of the year, both teams off to poor starts. You believe the Boston Red Sox have a worse record right now than Baltimore? That's crazy. That's a, uh, insane. Never. Th- I don't think we. I don't think at any point in the season we'd say that. Any point, mm-hmm. April or not. But I think that that means a little something more. This is why we don't really talk about baseball in April. I'll tell you why next. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're back here on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in. Hour number three, halfway through. So, um, couple of things that we still got to get into. I still have my surprise segment coming up in a few minutes. Um, but here's the thing. So, the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry was rebirthed yesterday for the first time in 2019. Um, a little two-game matchup. James Paxton and Chris Sale, which was supposed to be a dynamite pitching matchup. James Paxton, and here's the funny thing. James Paxton looks like Chris Sale, and Chris Sale looked like James Paxton. What, Chris I, Sale I, looks that's like Chris, actually a lie. James Chris, Paxton's better than that. But Chris Sale looks like Sonny Gray right now. Yeah, Chris Sale is off to an awful start. And here's here's the thing. This is why, and this is for people that, that don't understand, for people that listen to the show and Chris, don't understand Chris why. Chris Sale looks like Jason Vargas. That's a better comparison. 
it's almost like that. Chris Sale's ERA yesterday started the day at nine. And he pitched five innings and gave up, I think, four runs, and his ERA went down. That's how rough of a start Chris Sale has had so far. But here's my thing. And for people that listen to this show and a bunch of other shows that don't really talk about baseball in April, right? We we don't have a ton of regular season baseball talk, right? Baseball's my first love, okay? I, I love baseball more than any other sport, okay? And I would say I probably know more about baseball than any other sport, right? I, I've, I've played, lived, and learned about baseball my entire life, okay? It is the sport that I love. This is why I don't talk about baseball in or in in April, May, the early months of the season. Because there's so much uncertainty in the beginning of the year. If you would have told me the Red Sox and the Yankees would be a combined 13 and 21 to begin the year, I would have laughed in your face. That's ridiculous. There's absolutely no chance of that happening. However, the Yankees are seven and nine, and the Red Sox. What are they? They're eight, six, and twelve. Six and twelve. <clears throat> six and twelve. They're and they awful, have, and they have problems up. And then other than aside from their offense, their pitching is a huge, huge problem. Especially if Chris Sale is not himself. Huge, huge. But this is where this is where the league is at right now, right? So, Tampa Bay's thirteen and four. The division leaders in the NL Central are, I believe it's the Milwaukee Brewers. They're 12 and 6. Second place, the Pittsburgh Pirates at 9 and 6. The Tigers are 8 and 8. I, I mean, the San Francisco Giants are third in Major League Baseball in ERA. They've got a 2.77 team ERA right now. This is why we don't cover it early in the year. When it gets later, that's when it starts getting a little bit more interesting because we actually have stuff, we have substance to, to, to break down, right? Sometimes I play buy or sell and everything like that, and that's all fine and good, but I only play buy or sell because it is a way to get to implement baseball in there, and it, it isn't really subjective, everything like that. It's, it's all about a guessing game. Baseball early in the year is really tough to talk about just because you're not sure of anything. The Mets and the Phillies are playing right now. We got it on the television right here. I don't even know who the better team is at this point. We could we could say the Phillies, but do we really know that for certain? Because the Mets are off to a good start, too. All I'll say is this about the division, what you're seeing right now, as all four of these teams are playing each other, the Braves playing the Phillies, the Mets playing the Braves, the Mets playing the Phillies, Phillies playing play the Mets, so-and's Nationals playing the Phillies, Nationals playing the Mets, so-and-so. I think what you are Don't seeing... Don't count so, the Marlins. Well, <laughs> well, I will say the Marlins are going to be pesky. They're going to be a team that is going to spoil one of the one of these teams' playoff appearances, and my luck will be the Mets. The Nationals. The, or the Nationals, who knows. But I think... What you are seeing in this division early on is exactly what you're going to see throughout the entire year. They're going to beat up on each other so bad. The Bra- Braves beat the Mets. The Mets, Mets and Braves split a series. The Mets and Phillies, of course, split these two games, and you know the, the, the series finale is tonight. Is today to see who takes two out of three there. The Braves, the Braves, uh, you know, split with the Mets. The the, the Phillies beat the uh, beat the, uh, the 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 Nationals to start the season, and then the Phillies came back. Uh, the Nationals came back and beat Philly. 
So that's what you're kind of going to see. You're going to see these teams early on. You're going to see all year just beat up on each other for this division champ, uh, title. I think it is an indicator of what you're going to see all year long. Mm-hmm. But see, that's my point. Is like we 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 talk about division races and everything like that so early in the year. Then all of a sudden, the Mets go on a tear in June where they go twenty four and three in June. And they take over the division for the rest of the year. Funny you said June because last year they went five and twenty-one. In yeah, June. they went five and twenty-one. In June. <laughs> yeah, this year it'll be exact uh, exact. <laughs> they'll go twenty-one and five. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, it's I, way too early. No, it's it's way too early. And, and and I love baseball, and I wish I could talk more about it. It's just at this point in the year, there's no substance to baseball yet. I think I think what you can see looking at these division standings right now, knowing what we've seen. Okay, you know the Rays and Yankees are going to be there for the start of the, for the division the entire year. The Rays are really good. The Rays won 90 games last and year. And I'm I'm expecting the Red Sox to be up there too. It's just the Red Sox they have no pitching. The Red Sox have and th- thank you very much for proving me right, Evan. I'm just going to rub it in your face right now. Who was the guy that said, "Yeah, the Red Sox pitching kind of sucks." Did you predict but did you did any of us call Chris Sale being awful? No, I didn't pr- predict Chris Sale being awful. Nobody did. But I predicted inconsistency from David Price and Rick Porcello, which is exactly what they've gotten. I didn't think Chris Sale would be this bad. That was my problem. And, and they're, if Chris Sale's bullpen's, bad, they're in trouble. And their bullpen's bad. Oh, that bullpen we all knew is that. bad. We all knew that. The, Indians, the Red Sox have problems. The they Indians, knew. The Indians and Twins are right are right now. The Indians are 10-7. and 7, Twins are 8-6. and 6. They're going to be in there. The, the Twins can either go either way. They could be good. They could be bad. I they like the Twins. I actually think the Twins are going to be pretty good, but this is my thing. Is like... The Mariners, as much I as we're talking out. about this right now, right? The I Mariners, mean, I can see falling out. The Mariners, I th- but that's but that's another good point, right? The Mariners are thir- the Mariners are a rebuilding team, and they're thirteen and seven to start the year. They are. They don't have a lot of starting pitching. I actually like their lineup. I think their lineup's pretty good. But oh, it is. It, oh, it, it is. Posi- is. If you go position by position, they're pretty good. Oh, it always is. Every year, their lineup is good. But and they, but they don't have any pitching, and they're still winning. You know what I mean? Seattle's team ERA is 4.23. It's the 12th in Major League Baseball. I mean, you look at the Central. The Brewers and Cardinals are doing well. And again, that's going to be the race for, for all year long. The Pirates, 9-6. and six, You figure they're going to find... The Cubs, I think, are exactly where I think they are. They're a, they're a below 500 to a 500 baseball team. That's who they mm-hmm. are. That To me, that's I was not high on the Chicago Cubs going into the year. They're so far to me proving it. They're not that good of a baseball team at all. They don't look good, but that's the thing. is I expect the Cubs to rebound a little bit, at least. You know what I mean? The Cardinals look fantastic, um, nine and eight. But uh, th- the way that they play the game is incredible. Um, and again, it just looks like the worst team in baseball. Again, is probably going to be the Miami Marlins. They're four and fourteen. Mm. Um, they or, Kansas, really or, can- or Kansas Can- City. Kansas City's terrible. I'm still expecting Baltimore to be awful. But um, anyway, Baltimore. I will give Baltimore credit though. Uh, credit though, the Orioles are really scrappy. They're competing. They are really scrappy that because they have, they have a lot of, they are not an analytically pleasing team, right? They're they're not. They are a team that has a lot of guys that are good defensively and fast, right? Jonathan VR, Cedric Mullins, Richie Martin. They've got a lot of guys that are really fast and good defensively. They can't hit and can't pitch. You know what I mean? Like those are really the things that you want in a baseball team. They can't hit. They can't pitch. But anyway, here's my here's my issue. That's the thing, is it's too early for baseball. 
And I'm sorry to 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 the listeners that listen to the show, hoping I talk more baseball. It's about at the All Star break is when it gets to be a little bit more appropriate because at least we have some established things going on. Early in the year, it is really tough. And I'm not one of those guys that believes that games early in the year don't matter, right? Games in April can decide your can decide your season in October. It absolutely can, right? Every division is separated by a game and a half, two games, whatever. So if you blow a series against the Baltimore Orioles, it's going to come back to bite you. I, I am a true believer in that. But there isn't enough established in the game right now where I can legitimately ta- have takeaways of how people look, right? Of how these teams look. I just can't. I expect Boston to bounce back. I expect the Yankees to bounce back. I expect the Chicago Cubs to bounce back. I expect the Colorado Rockies to bounce back. Like, I I think all of these teams are going to be fine. I think they're just off to rough starts, and that's where I see baseball at right now. Okay, um, so I've got a surprise segment, but we're going to take a short break. Uh, coming up next, we're going to find out what that uh, surprise segment is. I got some pushback on it yesterday. I'm going to try and come to my own defense to close out the show here on the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back in Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in. Uh, just about to close the show here. Um, and here's my thing. So, I told you that there was a surprise segment. Here, here it is. I'm curious what it, what this is. I'm surprised you don't know already. Is it? Oh, I think I know what it is now. So, I got some pushback oh, yesterday. I know what it is. Um, I got some pushback because on Monday, I did my top ten most, uh, top ten greatest athletes of all time, and. That was in wake of Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Um, And I got some pushback on it yesterday. Um, Specifically from the the guys down to the wire. I had to actually call in and try to defend myself. Uh, But they shredded me for it yesterday with with it. Errol Marks and and Mikey C. They absolutely shredded me for it. Um, So I got some pushback. And... I, I just want to kind of reiterate what I tried to do there. So just to remind you um, of what the list was for the top 10 greatest athletes of all time. Um, and no, this was not based on athletic ability. This was not, you know, so Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson are not on this list because they were multi-sport athletes. You know what I mean? Like it was not based on athletic ability. This was based on, you know, just professional, the greatness of professional athletes. So, my list was Babe Ruth at 10, Michael Jordan at 9, Wayne Gretzky at 8, I had Roger Federer at 7, Usain Bolt at 6, Serena Williams at 5, Muhammad Ali at 4, LeBron James at 3, Michael Phelps at 2, and then Tiger Woods at number 1. What was, their, was, what was their biggest problem with it? Everything. Everything. Well, because they they thought that my bottom three should have been the top three. 
that was really the big thing. They wanted Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, and Babe Ruth to be in the top three. Those were the top three. Uh, that's what they, uh, at least that's what Mikey C wanted. Um, so I, I just want to, I want to preface this by saying that what I tried to do on, on, I, I made the list on Sunday, um, but technically on Monday when I broadcasted it, what I tried to do then with this list, I think that most people can admit and can agree to this is a virtually impossible task, right? Trying to measure the greatness of different athletes in different sports at different times during different generations. It is so hard to try to do that, right? Who's better than who, right? And I gave... The first thing that most people noticed about my list is I didn't have a single football player. I did not have a single football player on that list. And it was really tough to do that just because, well, I was thinking to myself, well, who is the greatest football player of all time? Like, we could talk about who the greatest football players at their positions are of all time. But even those positions are so much different that how can you compare the greatness of a wide receiver to the greatness of a linebacker it's just it's so much different right I've heard Jim Brown I've heard Jerry Rice I've heard Lawrence Taylor I've heard a bunch of different players in football I've heard Tom Brady I think a lot of players I I mean a lot of peers a lot of players would say Jim Brown's the best football player of all time I'm sure a, a lot of people would and I wouldn't argue I wouldn't argue but nobody can definitively say who the greatest football player is of all time and that's why I didn't have a football player on there Plus, how do you determine the importance of one position at certain uh, at a certain time compared to the importance of a position at a different time? It's just it got way too complicated to put football in there. Okay, let me try to defend this. So here's what I took into account: skill level, their level of dominance, their accomplishments, and their iconicism. That's what I took into account. Those four things. So, just to kind of defend myself in a way that I possibly can. Tiger Woods, I put at number one. Because, and I want to make this clear. I disagree with people that say nobody has mattered to a... Nobody has mattered more to another sport than Tiger Woods has. I actually disagree. Okay? If we're going to talk about who's mattered to their sport more, I think you have to talk about the conversations of guys like Jackie Robinson. You have to talk about uh, you have to talk about Muhammad Ali. Just from a life perspective, from societal purposes and social justice purposes, I think that Tiger Woods is not in the category of those guys, right? Tiger Woods, I think, has there has nobody there's been nobody that meant more to the survival of their sport than Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger Woods, like I explained on Monday, is the sport of golf. He is the sport of golf. If Tiger Woods isn't there, nobody cares about it. If Tiger Woods was never there, who knows where golf would be now? And like I said on Monday, who would have been, 
Who, who would have thought that the guy to save golf 11 years after Tiger would be Tiger? Who would have thought? The fact that he comes back after 11 years from winning his last major, 11 years later, after injuries and after he virtually screwed up his whole life, all of that. Everyone, everyone remembers where they were. A lot of any sports fan remembers where oh they were. Oh my god! The night, the night, the night that the night that everything changed you know, changed for him. It was incredible. But you look at it, and after everything that he's been through, he now comes into a field eleven years later, in a field that honestly, I I could almost confidently say. This is probably the most talented field of golfers collectively that golf has ever seen. I think there are more great golfers playing in the game now than there ever have been at one time. Tiger Woods comes into this field and wins the Masters. That's greatness. Perseverance. Look, we all pulled for Tiger Woods that day. We all did. Regardless of what happened. If I were to ask anybody, I would have gotten two answers back in a field of people. One of those answers would have been, uh, yeah, I'm really rooting for Tiger. I want Tiger to win it so bad. And then my second answer would be, I don't know. I'm not really rooting for anybody. I just, I enjoy watching the Masters. When down, deep down, you know that you're rooting for Tiger. Everybody knows. Tiger Woods is the athlete. The athlete. And this is why he's number one. Tiger Woods is the athlete that brought us all together in a very divisive state that America is in right now. Tiger Woods brought us all together for one day and one day at a time. That's why nobody's meant more. That's why Tiger's the greatest athlete ever. There's never been an athlete to do that. MJ didn't do that. Gretzky didn't do that. Babe didn't do that. Phelps, LeBron, they didn't do that. Muhammad Ali didn't do that. But Tiger did. Everybody wanted Tiger Woods. Everybody. So I can defend Tiger Woods at number one. And I take things away, like I said, from guys that play team sports than guys that play single-player sports. MJ, Gretzky, LeBron, Babe Ruth. Because a lot of their success comes from other factors. Not all of their success is solely on them. Right? I mean, MJ didn't win anything without Pippen. 
LeBron didn't win anything without Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving. You know? I, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah, they revolutionized their sport, but I think we could say that about everybody that was on this list, or even didn't make the list. They were transcendent in the game that they were at. I always would put Babe Ruth at one because of the fact that he was the first celebrity. He was the first big sports major figure. He was the guy that <clears throat> put sports on the map. That's why I will always put Babe Ruth. Babe, Babe There's the argument. Of that. I, Absolutely. I always... No, I'm not going to take anything away from that. It's just, I, I like, the only reason I had Babe Ruth at 10 was just because baseball as a sport is really hard to measure. Because, like, it's really hard to measure cross-generational. Now you're kind of measuring cross-sportal. I'm making up words. Like, you're looking at... I tried to explain this to them yesterday. If you just look at who the greatest baseball player to ever play the game from a skill perspective, put him in any era and he would have succeeded... The best player in Major League history, in my opinion, would probably be Mike Trout. And it's just because he's bigger, stronger, faster than any other player that's probably ever played the game no, I, in I, any facet. I can right? agree with that. Trout. Mike Trout, from a skill set perspective, is probably the most talented baseball player we've ever seen. Right? All five tools, he's got everything. Right? And he's the best in the league at almost all of those tools. Okay? Mike Trout could probably go into the 1920s and dominate the league there too. That's why it's so hard. Babe Ruth, I don't like Babe Ruth if he played today, I don't know if Babe Ruth was ever would have ever been able to hit a 99 mile an hour fastball. Maybe he could. Maybe he could. But back then in the 1920s when the hardest throwing pitcher in the league was throwing 88 miles an hour, it's just different. That's why I had Babe Ruth there because I don't know how Baseball is a game that has such a wide history, and the game has changed so much. I mean, the, it, the game has changed so much that the material the ball is made out of was different. Of course. You know, like, it's just, it, the bats were different. The gloves were smaller. The gloves didn't have pockets. Okay, it was literally like a snow, like a like a glove that you wear in the snow. It, I've had, it was made I, out of leather. I actually have one of those gloves at home. Yeah, aren't, <laughs> they're cool, though, right? They like, are pretty I, cool. I, I love having a catch with one of those things. They're so cool. Yeah. But... It makes you feel old, though, right? I, yeah, I, and does. I've always said this, too. I think there should be at least one baseball team in Major League Baseball that should bring back collared jerseys. <laughs> I, I, one team in Major League Baseball has to do it, has to bring it back, and I right. think it should be the Chicago Cubs, but that's me. Right. Um, but that's why I put Babe down there. Michael Jordan, I put at nine, and most people think I'm crazy because I think LeBron's better than Jordan, but I think LeBron, if you talk about the story of basketball, what he's done for basketball – or, or, or at least even just for the world outside of basketball, I think LeBron's done more than Michael. You know, Michael, after Michael, it was there was a little bit of a lull after Michael's prime, and then LeBron had to save the league again. And then outside of basketball, LeBron's done a lot more than what Jordan's done. Plus, I think he's better. Plus, he also might be just the most gifted athlete we've ever seen. Physically gifted. LeBron's at three on your list, right? Uh, LeBron is at three. And I will tell you this. This is, uh, like I said, I spent hours upon hours on Sunday trying to make this up. Hours. 
And I put a lot of time into thinking about what in the world I was going to do. Roger Federer at 20. I didn't even think Roger Federer was going to make the list. And I put him on there after I did some research. Serena Williams is clearly on the on the list. Absolutely. Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps are clearly on the list. Like, some of these people you just can't argue. Willie Mays. And I put, and I put Muhammad Ali on the list, too. I put him at number four. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, why isn't Muhammad Ali higher? Because I'm not sure Muhammad Ali was the greatest boxer ever. Uh, Muhammad Ali is the most iconic boxer ever. I don't think he's the best, right? Uh, Muhammad Ali went 56 and 5 in his career, which is incredible, right? The best Great boxer record. of all time is probably Rocky Marciano. That that is that is probably the greatest boxer ever. Right? Never lost a fight. It's, it's not Joe Lewis, it's not Mike Tyson, it's not George Foreman. Tyson could not, have been the best boxer Tyson ever. Could, Tyson could have been, but... He certainly had the star. He, I mean, he had but, so but much... But that's the thing. Tyson lost. Tyson did lose. Well, it's not just he lost. He just... He just his life... He just spiraled himself was, out of control. Yeah, he was crazy. But as far as number one goes, and I'll end it here, Tiger Woods is the only athlete that I've ever seen that has brought the entire world together to root for the same thing. There isn't a single person that can't appreciate when Tiger Woods hugs his father at his first major. And there isn't a single person that can't appreciate him hugging his kid after his last one. That's why Tiger Woods is the greatest athlete ever. Because every single person in America was rooting for the same thing for once on one day. It's the most triumphant return I've ever seen anybody make for a sport. After being so dominant for so long and then coming back and trying to bring back dominance again, it's impressive. All right. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, that's going to do it for us. As for Evan Mazza, I'm Mike Guido. This has been the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. No chalk talk today, but third and long should be on today from 4 to 6 o'clock. Uh, that's Matty Caps, Vinny Rubo. You're not going to want to miss them. Um, until then, from the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, we'll see you. Peace. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.